You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of a collection of lectures by Rudolf Steiner entitled, What is Necessary in These Urgent Times? This is Lecture 14, entitled, The Metamorphosis of Feeling, Desiring, and Wanting, given in Dornach on February 14, 1920. I would like briefly, in the interest of review, to draw your attention to what I presented to you in the lecture yesterday because today I am going to add to this further things relating to the being of humankind. What I had to say to you yesterday consisted of the following. We turned our gaze, first of all, toward the three faculties of the human soul, dedicated primarily to knowledge. We drew our attention to the fact that there are three cognitive faculties in the human soul. First, the capacity of recollection or memory then the capacity we refer to as intelligence, and finally the capacity for sense perception. Then I pointed out to you that these three soul faculties could be understood only when you took into consideration their development. In order to understand memory, which in comparison to the other two is the youngest of the human capacities, you must turn your gaze back toward a time when the earth did not yet have the form that it possesses currently, a time when the earth was going through moon evolution, the phase immediately prior to its current phase as earth evolution. The origin of what has now become memory in us can be found in this moon evolution and appeared there not as memory, but as a dreamlike imagination that filled the human being completely which I have often described in the past in connection with other things. What was once dreamlike imagination during moon evolution for the beings that would later develop into earth human beings, this became the capacity of memory during earth evolution. Of all the cognitive soul capacities, this memory, as I have told you, is the one most bound up with human physicality. Intelligence is less bound up with our physical bodies. It is more independent of them, in the sense that I described to you yesterday. But in order to discover its origins, you must look back in time further, beyond moon evolution. You have to go back to sun evolution. There you will find the beginnings of the faculty that exists in us today as intelligence in the form of dormant inspiration. You must look the farthest back in time in order to find the origins of what, as I explained yesterday, is the most independent from our physical bodies, although people today believe this least of all because they are coming out of a materialistic worldview. To discover the origins of sense perceptions, you have to go back to Saturn evolution. And in the beings that would eventually become Earth human beings, you find the origin of these sense perceptions in the form of a dull intuition. 
We went on yesterday to see that insofar as we bear these three soul capacities within us, we also harbor the beings of the upper hierarchies in us, in the structures underlying these soul capacities. In the structures of our sense perceptions we harbor the archai, the spirits of time. They reside in our humanity. Through what we possess as intelligence, insofar as this intelligence is connected to the mirroring structure in us that reflects our concepts and ideas, which actually came out of the spiritual world, bringing them to our consciousness, we harbor the archangels. And through what works in our physical being and disseminates memory, we harbor the angels. In this way we are connected by our cognitive faculties to the past. In this way we are connected by our cognitive faculties to the upper hierarchies. According to an old custom, these three human faculties are referred to as the higher faculties. And if I were to sketch out a depiction of the human being for you, if I were to visually depict a sort of schematic of the human being, I would draw something like this, and there's a picture. First I would sketch out the capacity of sense activity. I would attempt to do that by drawing a white background. First of all I would depict in our schematic the sense activity in the physical structure of the human being itself, and must therefore draw it something like this, so that I end up with the right relationship between things later, blue. The bulk of sense activity takes place in our head, after all. Of course, the whole of the human being is filled with sense activity, but for now I would like to draw the sense activity here in the head, blue. If I then wanted to draw in the intelligence, I would have to do so in the following manner, in order to make it clear. Sense activity is directed outward, blue. Intelligence, green, has its reflecting structure more in the brain itself. Deeper still is the structure underlying memory, already very connected with the physical structure itself. In reality, memory, red, is connected with the lowest part of the nervous system structure and with the limbs and torso. I could then make transitions between sense activity and intelligence by drawing in this section here, indigo, as a point of transition between the two. You know that some of our concepts and ideas have a particularly vivid or graphic nature. Though I drew sense activity as such here with blue, I would draw in this section of indigo as a point of transition to intelligence. For more abstract concepts, I have drawn this area of green, and for those concepts that are intimately connected with memory, I have drawn them as the transition from green to red, through orange, toward this section of yellow. In this way I have moved from outer to inner in drawing the structure of the human being as it relates to the cognitive faculties of the soul. <laughs> if you think of the physical structures, particularly of the eyes and ears, shaded blue, moving through indigo into green as sense activity fades to intelligence, brightening through yellow to red as it moves into memory, you can take from this sequence of colors 
a kind of schematic that closely shadows the reality of the human soul or cognitive capacities. Now, in the nature of human beings, everything is connected and interacts with everything else. This is what makes the work of materialistically minded people so difficult, the fact that everything is connected in human nature. You cannot draw neat and clean boxes separating one part from another. Things are not that distinctly separated in human nature. But you can learn all kinds of things about the relationship between different aspects by drawing a schematic like this. In fact, you can see that the way in which the color red relates to the color green is the same way that the capacity for memory and the capacity for intelligence relate to one another through their inner properties. And the way in which green relates to blue is the same ways in which intelligence relates to sense activity. Now we also have other capacities in the human soul. Capacities are the most bound up with our physical bodies to a greater or lesser extent as human beings on earth. The first of these is our feeling life. Whereas memory, intelligence and sense activity are progressively connected to our awakened consciousness, feeling is something that is still very dreamlike in human beings. I have spoken of this often. Whereas memory is something that in the distant past developed originally as a faculty during moon evolution, intelligence during sun evolution, sense activity during Saturn evolution, the feeling life as it exists for us today, though the beginnings of it came earlier during moon evolution, they are less important in in these considerations, belongs to human beings on earth. What we received in our organism as human beings on earth actually made us for the first time into feeling beings. But just as memory is something that has moved beyond its initial stage as a faculty of soul and arrived on the earth at a higher stage of development, and one can, if one possesses enough supersensory insight to do so, recognize that memory is, in many ways, an older capacity for human beings, you can also recognize that the feeling life is only in its first stage as a human capacity. If you have the proper understanding to do so, you can look at what we currently refer to as our feeling life and see that in the future it will become something altogether different. Just as, had you been an observer of moon evolution and examined the dreamlike imagination that existed then, you would have said, later that will become the capacity of human memory. So must you consider the feeling life today and say, when earth is no longer here, when it has become something different, when the earth has evolved in the coming Jupiter evolution, only then will the feeling life become what it is meant to develop into. Feeling life today is in an embryonic stage in human beings. It exists as a seed. Something will arise later out of feeling, the thing that it is to become in the future. In our feelings, we bear something within us that is related to what it will become during Jupiter evolution, in the same way that a child is its, that a child in its mother's womb 
is related to the human being who has already been born. Our feeling life is something embryonic, and later, during Jupiter evolution, it will blossom into fully developed, fully conscious imagination. Another soul capacity that is connected with our physical organism is our appetites, our desires. These desires are even more embryonic than our feeling life. Everything in the life of desires will only develop into what it is meant to be during Venus evolution. Our desires are today very tightly bound to our physical structure. They will eventually free themselves of this. Just as our intelligence was tightly bound to the bodily structures of our being during sun evolution, as I described in my outline of esoteric science, so is the life of desires bound to the bodily structures of human beings today. It will appear during the future Venus evolution, free from the bodily structures of the beings of that time, and it will come into being then as fully conscious inspiration. The most embryonic of all of our soul capacities is the will life. The will is called upon to become something vast and cosmic in the future, something through which the human being can come to belong to the entire cosmos. The human being shall be individualized and yet shall live out its individual impulses as actualities in the world. This, however, is only to come about during Vulcan evolution, when the will life develops into fully conscious intuition. So, in our feelings, desires and willing, we belong in a way to future stages of evolution. These capacities reside in us so that the human being can be prepared for its future existence through them. But we also are brought into a relationship with the world through them, in that these human capacities have a connection to the world around us. Just as memory, intelligence and sense activity connect us with the surrounding spiritual world, through their relationship with angels, archangels, and archai. So do our feelings, desires, and will connect us with the surrounding physical world, but in such a way that the relationship between our feelings and the surrounding world is one in which our feelings constantly draw in the mineral kingdom during earth evolution. Everything that makes up the mineral kingdom around us will disappear at the end of earth evolution and the forces that human beings shall then draw into themselves from the mineral kingdom are the forces of feeling. Consequently, we must accept a special relationship between the feeling life and the mineral kingdom. We must also accept a special relationship between the life of desires and the plant kingdom, just as on Jupiter, which, we, which will be the next incarnation of the planet Earth, there will be no mineral kingdom because during earth evolution the feeling life will have drawn it up into itself. So will there be no plant kingdom during Venus evolution and the human will life will draw the animal kingdom into itself during Venus evolution. And when we glimpse ahead into Vulcan evolution, the future Vulcan incarnation of our planet earth will not have these three kingdoms on it. Rather, it will have only the beings that make up the current human kingdom, 
in the form that they will have evolved into at that time. And there's a schematic. In response to everything that I have just said, some people nowadays might come forward and say, I am not really interested in what I once was and what form my memory, intelligence and sense perceptions had on Saturn or Sun or the Moon. I am just happy with my existence now as a citizen of the Earth. What do I care about things that I know nothing about anymore, which happened on earlier incarnations of our planet? I am not interested in such things. And by the same token, I am not interested in what my feelings, which are of great interest to me now, will become on Jupiter, or what my desires will develop into on the far distant Venus. These desires are what drive me now. But this lady, Venus, she does not interest me yet, because she is not here, right now. And I am only interested in ladies who are around me, who are around now. And the same goes for the will and what it might become in some distant, distant future. Certainly, many people feel this way, and the culture nowadays would very much prefer to remain asleep in relation to everything that is trying to assert itself in regard to this knowledge. People do not want to awaken to it. But human evolution will not continue into the future unless we have this knowledge. For it is deeply true that everything is intermingled and interwoven in the human organism, the physical, soul, and spiritual structures of the human being. But one must also be able to distinguish things from one another, just as the higher faculties can be drawn schematically from sense activity down to memory, so can I now also draw in the lower faculties, which have been developed especially here on earth. And again, back to the drawing on the earlier page. I have to do this in the following manner. A somewhat deeper shade of red, unfortunately I do not have a different shade of chalk here, will represent our feeling life. But these feelings stretch all throughout our intelligence, our sense activity, and our memory as well. Then, when I have to draw the activity of our desires, I actually use a shade of violet red. And if I were to draw the will life as it currently exists, I would have to draw it with a blue-green. As such, the human being has a dual existence, a higher human being, upper circle, that is essentially a cognitive being, and a lower human being, lower circle, that is essentially a being of desires and appetites, with feeling and willing, as the two poles of these desires. Now, as it happens, those things that compose the lower human being on earth play into the upper being of the human, meaning that the willing, as well as the desires, as well as the feelings, play a role in the upper being of the human. And there's an arrow pointing upward. In other words, our sense activity is such that in it we have everything that has developed out of the dull intuition of Saturn evolution. But if in our eyes and in our ears we only carried those things that come from the dull intuition of Saturn, then we would be truly dry and barren beings. We would perceive the outer world with senses that worked mechanically and automatically. We would think clinically and dryly about this physical world, and we would remember the things that we experienced without warmth. The fact that we experience what we have experienced as our own concerns 
that for the most part we do not consider our experiences with indifference or remember our personal life as a collection of individual stones in a kaleidoscope. This makes our feelings, desires and will ascend up into our memories, our intelligence, our sense activities. In looking on things in the outer physical world, we find that they bring us pleasure. They please us through the integration of desires, our feelings, or our will life. When we think about something, we do not think clinically or dryly, but rather we bring a certain enthusiasm into our ideas. We would not do this if we possessed only the things that had been given to us as the powers of intelligence from sun evolution. We do this because the earth has filled us with a will life, with desires, with feelings, even if these things are still in an embryonic state. The same is true of our capacity to recollect things. In our higher faculties, the things that, according to an old custom, are referred to as our lower faculties, because they are more connected to our physical bodies, always play some role. We must hold tight to this first and foremost. Our higher soul faculties, which would be nothing more than dried-out bowels in this world if there were nothing more than what had developed out of the faculties from Saturn, Sun and Moon evolution, are illuminated and warmed by the lower soul faculties, the willing, desiring and feeling. And we become warm, feeling human beings, even when we think. All the same, there are a number, a tremendous number of people nowadays who strive for objectivity in such a way that they want to rid their intelligence of feelings and desires. But this is either nothing more than an illusion. If people believe that they can actually rid their sense activity, their intelligence and their memory of the lower soul faculties, or if one actually casts them out, and this is only possible to a certain extent, then what? It is possible to cast the lower soul faculties out of the higher ones only to a certain extent. For example, you can cast them out when you step up to the lectern and present on various fields of science to freshmen or upperclassmen. In that instance, it is possible to cast the lower, the actual earthly soul faculties out of one's intelligence, but you cannot cast them out entirely. After you leave behind your philosophizing and go back home, then real desires and feeling fill your intelligence, as, for instance, you complain about what your housekeeper has fixed for your dinner, not to mention your sense activities of tasting and smelling and so on. And thus, one's existence is composed of a confusing mixture of being the desiccated Philistine who has cast the lower soul faculties out of the higher and then is all too capable of passionate emotions when served something that has too much salt or pepper, or is burned or otherwise not cooked properly. Our lower soul faculties must play some role in the high soul faculties. But as a matter of fact, since the middle of the 15th century, there has been a movement in human evolution to make our sense activities, our intelligence, ever more pure, and someday in the future it will extend to our memory as well. As of now, it has not reached that point. 
People want to liberate these attributes. Indeed, they want not only to become like the desiccated Philistine that I described earlier, only because this desiccated Philistine is actually more connected with what human nature generally forms us to be. They actually want the entire physical body of the human being to become dried out and desiccated, as I described in an earlier lecture, so that the higher soul faculties will be less and less illuminated and warmed by the lower. People will actually become these sorts of dried-out shells when they are not filled with the things that can come out of spiritual revelation. In fact, we must fructify sense activity, intelligence, and memory in the coming period of evolution with what is revealed to us from the spiritual world because the earthly gifts that have been coming to our higher faculties in the form of willing desires and feelings are gradually drying up. We cannot just snidely criticize these starchy Philistines as we have just done. Rather, we must simultaneously recognize that this Philistine is a kind of pioneer into the future drying up of our higher soul faculties who is already experiencing in the body what will befall all of humanity in the near future. The problem is that the Philistine does not also feel how necessary it is that this desiccated being also be filled with spiritual revelation. This drying up must be replaced by spiritual revelation. Just as human beings were, until now, used to experiencing the upward streaming, and there's an arrow pointing upward in the picture, the upward streaming of the will life, desires and feelings into their memory, intelligence and sense activities, so must they now experience the streaming downward of the revelations of the spiritual world through spiritual knowledge, arrow downward, upper right, so that their sense activities, intelligence and memory can be filled with the things with which they are no longer being filled, because our physical bodies are becoming ever more dried out and desiccated by earthly decadence. First and foremost, we must come to grips with the fact that we are facing a time in which everything operating in human sense activity, intelligence and memory must welcome spiritual revelation into its inner being in order for human culture to make any progress forward. Let us turn now to these lower human faculties which only exist at present in an embryonic form. These lower human faculties are what primarily brings us into a relationship with our surrounding world. Even inwardly, they stand in relationship to the surrounding world through a connection to the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, and the animal kingdom, which together compose the world around us. When we feel, we experience feeling in regard to the things in the world around us. When we desire something, we desire something in the surrounding world. When we engage in an act of will, we take a direct role in the active being of our surrounding world. In all of this we stand in the midst of the world around us. 
And what if we were to ask, will happen as these things continue to develop? What will become of the feelings, desires, and will of the human beings that live together on the earth? When you consider everything we call the social world with a spiritual eye, EYE, you see that it is entirely the result of the willing, desires, and feelings of co-existing human beings. And everything we experience as human beings as feelings, everything that we want from one another and from the natural world, and everything that occurs between people as a result of willing, all of this is actually the outer world. When we desire something, we are a part of the social order, far more than we believe is the case. We are made into a being that desires something through our place in the social world, and our will engages the social will everywhere, such that the things occurring in the social world occur because of our will. Thus, an independent life exists within the thing that we refer to as our social order, a life of human feelings, desires, and will. The current Social Democratic Party claims that everything that exists in the world is a result of economics, of economic forces as they develop over time. No. The things that exist in the external world are an objectification of the feelings, desires, and will forces of the human beings living together in society. Things that appear first within human beings as feelings go on to create conditions that bring about something in human social life. The same is also true of human desires and especially true of human will. But in human nature everything is interconnected. Here, below, I have drawn in the colors that represent our feelings, desires, and will. The cognitive faculties, sense activity, actual intelligence, memory, work their way downward and then have an effect on the social world through our will. In the future, if human beings continue to harden in their physical bodies, then little will be able to flow out of them into the social world. The experiences of our senses, our intelligence, and our individual human memories, and the thoughts associated with them, will all flow out into the social world without first making their way through our feelings, desires, and wills. In other words, if we rely only on the physical earthly structures of our bodies, and things continue developing accordingly, then our bodies will harden and we will be left only with sense perceptions, intelligence and memory that are not fructified by the spiritual world, and then desiccated intelligence, purely physical sense activity, and egotistical memories of individual human beings will be the rule of the day in social life. The things that are beginning to happen now in Russia will spread ever farther into the rest of the world. In Russia, the seed has been planted in Leninism and Trotskyism, preparing a social order that stems solely from sense experiences, intelligence, and a few egotistical memories of individual human beings. People do not realize yet that this Eastern European society is striving to be a purely rationalistic society, 
one that is to be formed purely out of the cognitive faculties of earthly human beings, resulting from the evolution out of Saturn's sun and moon evolution, and that they are seeking to consciously eliminate everything that might be taken out of the spiritual world. This feeling that teaches us how solidified human civilization is becoming, such that human beings are turning into nothing more than ambulatory machines, this feeling that teaches us what will become of the world when we continue to entrust it to dictators like Lenin and Trotsky, this feeling must come out of knowledge of the, hu- of the being of human nature that we have placed before our souls in the past two days. A knowledge such as this shows us that it is a simple necessity in human nature that illumination and warmth ascend into the higher soul faculties through spiritual revelation, so that the things that are to come from intelligence and sense perception and memory do not flow out into social life without being first fructified by the spiritual world. Human beings must learn to feel what connects them with the whole of earth's existence, and they must learn to feel out of spiritual knowledge the things that are beginning to brew in the East, threatening to consume all of Asia in an ever-accelerating pace of life. Human beings must learn to feel this as the great and terrible sickness of modern civilization, a sickness that must be healed, and it can only be healed properly when it is diagnosed correctly. To pursue spiritual science today means to seek a process for healing our sickened society. This must be felt by a sufficiently large portion of the population on earth, and it must be felt deeply and fundamentally. Without spiritual science, this kind of feeling will not fill us. And nowadays, all of the major actions in the world are carried out without any feeling for what is actually being done. The actions taken at Versailles were nothing less and are nothing less than an inculcation of poison into society, a poison that is bound to make humanity sicker than it was before. For everything that is done without a knowledge of the future requirements of life on earth is a harmful and sickening action for humanity's ongoing evolution. People nowadays typically hear statements like these as being spoken out of emotion and passion. Here I am not speaking them to you from that place. Here they are derived from a knowledge of the being of human nature. And here it can be shown that the spiritual life of human beings which is born in memory, intelligence and sense activity cannot exist long into the future unless it is fructified by the spiritual world. People today will not admit this. But why will they not admit it? They will not admit it for historical reasons. Since the middle of the 15th century, we have been working endlessly on the structures that we now consider the bearers of civilization, the modern states and countries. But in the future, these modern-day countries can be of relevance to the things related to human life between birth and death, I have spoken of this here in connection with other things, they may not be involved at all in things that establish a connection between human beings and the spiritual world, 
Human beings must, in the future, become able to receive the spiritual world into their memory, intelligence, and sense activity as individuals. Only the individual human being can do this. Only each of us, individually, can do this. In the future, the individual must become the mediator between heaven and earth, between the spiritual world and the physical world. And people nowadays rightly feel, though the way in which they arrive at these feelings is actually backward, but nevertheless they feel that it is somehow improper when streams that should flow only into individuals instead flow into so-called official state business. When the Russian Tsar and his wife used the inner experience of Rasputin to guide their leadership of the country, people were rightly afraid, for revelations that come from the spiritual world should play only into spiritual life and not into the rights life. In the case of the latter, we should allow only healthy reason that has been developed out of spiritual revelation to play a role. Well, Rasputin never got to healthy reason. He simply stuck with the revelations. On the other hand, in external social life, the only thing that should find a place is what is connected with the lower faculties of human beings, with the faculties developing here on earth, with desires, feelings, and will. These things develop in the interaction of one human with another, and they do not develop through interchange with the abstract whole of humanity, only within circles of people who share a common interest, within circles connected through their particular common desires, their particular feelings about one thing or another, or through the will they must develop together. This lays the groundwork for the necessity of a threefolding of public life. In the future, the state which may not allow spiritual life to enter into its affairs directly, also may not stretch its influence into that spiritual life. Spiritual life must be allowed to have its own independent place, because it cannot progress unless it is allowed to receive the revelations of the Spirit. The state, when it is healthy, will dispense with spiritual revelations. If it steers itself toward the things that it thinks are good for it, spiritual life, then it will make that spiritual life into something terrible. Spiritual life must be divided from the state, an independent limb. By the same token, economic life may not be connected with the rights life with the state, for this economic life must root itself firmly in feelings, desires, and wills of societies of individuals who are brought together by common interests as it emerges and develops in their associations and companies. To put it briefly, just as the physicist comes to understand the complex phenomena of physical nature through performing simple research, so must we come to understand through a knowledge of human nature with its higher faculties, memory, intelligence, and sense activity, and lower faculties, will, desires, and feelings, what is to occur in the evolution of humankind. 
The person who comes forward and discusses social ideas with a social will derived from a strong but altogether empty self-consciousness, and the tone now commonly recognized as the persuasive human tone of voice, is like a person who sits down before a telegraph machine without the slightest clue about electricity and magnetism these very simple concepts, and presumes to explain the telegraph machine out of his total lack of knowledge. The people who talk about sociology nowadays are in most cases speaking out with the same awareness of their subject, even though it sounds very learned to most people, that a person who has never even heard of electricity has when he sees a Morse code machine in a telegraph station and says, inside of that device are a bunch of little knights, You cannot see them who go riding over to the other station with the message. You cannot see that when it happens either. And with that, he had described it all quite properly. Marxism's explanation of social reality is no different. Our university sociologists' explanation of social reality are no different. Reality presents itself truly only when we have first come to know human nature. But you come to know human nature only through a relationship to the entire cosmic order. For memory is connected with the more than earthly. Intelligence is connected with the more than earthly. Its sense activity is connected with the more than earthly. The feeling life will become what it is truly to become only after the earth is no longer here the life of appetites and of the will becoming what they are truly to become some time in the more distant future. Just as you must be conversant with simple concepts like the thermal properties of organisms and the properties of acoustics in order to be a physicist, so must people, and as many people as possible, become conversant with the basic connections between human beings and the world in order to speak about social matters. For what is to be brought about in social life is born into that social order by human beings. But the human being also bears the whole of the cosmos within itself. Of course, there are those chinwags who speak out of some leftover and outdated perspective, saying that the human being is a microcosm, a little world in and of itself within the macrocosm. But they do not understand it, because they speak only in abstractions. The only person who has a right to speak about microcosms and macrocosms is the one who knows that before there were human beings on earth, there were human beings on the moon that possessed a dreamlike imagination. Moon evolution ended, and the earth came into being. Out of that which was there no longer, but which once had been, human memory developed. Memory did not originate on the earth. The only thing original to the earth was the human capital I and its contact with and shaping of the present physical form of the human body. We must come to understand the human being concretely or otherwise we have no business referring to it as a microcosm. My friends, we can only aid in the healing of this decadent civilization when we finally come to see that the human being must be spoken of as a cosmic being, in those institutions and establishments in which philosophy is currently taught as if it were a collection of dog-eared abstractions.
The consequences of this abstract, this purely abstract humanity, appear in such philosophers as the American William James, the Englishman Spencer, the Frenchman Bergson, or the German Kant from Königsberg. These abstractions hide from humanity what it truly is. But the living knowledge of the spiritual world, which we must strive after through the pursuit of spiritual science, can bring human beings true self-knowledge. More on this tomorrow. The end of lecture 14.